Hello, welcome to the new episode of the Norwegian Newcomers podcast. This is a podcast in which we hear stories from the lives of Norwegian newcomers. Today my guest is May. But before I welcome our guest today, I want to tell you how we met. Here in Oslo, I miss Belgrade bakeries. Oslo has good bakeries, but apart from croissants, there is nothing on offer that I like from Belgrade bakeries. That lack of bakery products, I sometimes compensate by looking at the Instagram accounts of some of them. There, I found May and her bakery. I didn't have any information about May, but I assume she might be a newcomer to Norway as she followed and supported the Instagram account of this podcast. I sent a message, May replied, and here we are. May, hello, thank you for being with us today. For the beginning, will you please introduce yourself to our listeners? I am May. I'm actually from proudly Malaysian, so I'm from Malaysia itself, and I'm actually a home baker. So far, I've been here for three and a half years in a way, and I'm here because of my husband's work. And uh, this is actually the second country that we've been. For our first country, we were in um, Yangon, Myanmar, which is the old name Burma, and that was before the coup. So it was a beautiful country as well with lots of nice people. After then, my husband got on a job here, then that's why we're here. In this podcast, we talk to newcomers from all over the world. We often mention cultural and sociological differences, but also similarities between the countries we come from and Norwegian society. Conversations about diversity almost always bring us to the food topic. What is your favorite food? Do you know the cuisine of Malaysia? I knew something, but this is an opportunity to learn more about it. Basically, uh, what I can talk about Malaysia, we have uh, 2 to 2 million in terms of population. And we are very diverse. We have different races. We call it races. So it's actually, uh, we have Malay, Chinese and Indian. And I'm actually Chinese-Malaysian. We love food a lot. That's the reason why I, I love baking as well. We are very diverse in our food where we have lots of Chinese food in Malaysia as well. And we have lots of Indian food and Malay food. In terms of like the food-wise, uh, what I can tell you is Chinese food, they are non-spicy food. Malay food, they are more towards spices and a little bit sweeter in terms of taste. And then the Indian ones are more towards the spicy kind of food. So if you ask me, I can actually cook uh, some Indian food as well. And I love them as well a lot. We don't blend. We just make three different types of food. They are all separate entities as well. So we make three different food. The taste is different. The spices is different. The ingredients are all different as well. Basically, food defines our culture as well. So when we meet each other, when we talk, our first word to each other is always like, have you eaten yet? <laughs> that is what we always say to each other. That's part of our greetings in a way, which is a bit odd here. <laughs> you don't see people saying that. In our mind, it's always about food and what to eat next. <laughs> it's, for example, like I have already had my breakfast and I'm thinking about lunch already. Before I moved to Norway, 
I didn't spend much time in the kitchen. My mom is the main chef and so was my dad. I was a little spoiled, used to delicious and quality food, but to eat it, not to prepare it. And then I moved to Norway and after a few months I realized that if I don't start cooking and following my mother's recipes, I will turn into pizza or some other fast food. Because of food, we change habits and gain new knowledge. I love Norwegian food, but I can't live without Balkan specialties. Listen to what May thinks about Norwegian food and what habits she has changed or acquired by coming to Norway. I have tasted a lot of food in Norway as well. Reba is actually very close to our Malaysian Chinese food. It's like a crispy pork uh, kind of thing. It's in a way, it's similar but different because we have certain spices on it as well. They use less spices, I do feel that. But because in Malaysia, most of the food have more spice and taste as well and flavors as well. It's different, but it's healthier in a way. Comparatively to our Asian food, we have more carbs. For example, from our rice and our noodles. When we make certain food, you add in more oil and everything. And the meat itself, the fat content itself is actually higher as well. We have more fat within our meat as well. So here you don't get that. It has certain percentage of uh, fat in it. Simple and healthy, that's how it is. And I like it as well because we have a different way of eating as well and we become healthier here. We have to walk and enjoy and walk more outside as well. We have very big shopping malls and lots of air condition and lots of uh, restaurants and food is actually more affordable there in a way. It's easier to eat out than to cook at home. It's not very spontaneous just to go out and eat here. But in Malaysia, it's really, really spontaneous for you just to go out I didn't bake as much when I'm back home because most of the time I could just visit my parents home on the weekend and they'll be cooking. I could go to my in-laws place as well. They'll be having some food there. So at home is pretty much easy where someone have food just anytime at all. But here I have to cook every day almost until even the Sunday. There's no break sometime. In a way, I don't even take fast food back home. But here, sometimes you have no choice and you want it easy and quick, then you have to go to the Burger King or McDonald's, right? Especially when you have kids. But it's not something that I encourage to. When my daughter have the play date for friends from school, at first I was like cooking up proper food for them to feed Malaysian kids, for example. We always cook proper food. Like we have either pasta or we have rice or we have noodles or we have vegetables or anything. So it's like a full-fledged meal food on the table. Here is pretty simple. You just do not need to have that much of a food. You can just either go get some frozen pizza and just bake it and you serve it. It's good enough. Or during the birthday, um... You just need to serve a poster with lumper or poster with bruh. The hot dogs with the hot dogs with the flatbread or the hot dogs with the bread. In a way that I'm not really used to for birthdays, to be honest. But the good part is it makes our work simpler. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's the same for me. It's like when I have anyone、uh, coming over to my place, I will usually cook a whole meal or feast in front of them. That's how we welcome friends to our place as well. It is not a norm just to have sausage with bread or with just a drink or a frozen pizza. That's definitely not norm for us. Rarely will anyone say they don't like traveling. Short tourist trips are a special experience, but they can't be compared to trips when you decide to live either a few months or a year or forever in another country. Sometimes decisions to travel to other countries are related to our family, or partners, or new business opportunities, curiosity, or because the need to travel is in our DNA. What brought me to Norway? I love traveling, but if you ask me whether I thought about like、uh, moving to another country, at the beginning it was a bit overwhelming. But after then, we kind of got used to it, so we like the nomad kind of style of living. I like it now. I do hope for future travels as well. I love going to a different country and、uh, understanding people's culture. Also understanding our way of life as well. So my daughter, I love to expose them in this kind of condition as well to see what's out there. For Malaysians, when you say coming to Norway, it's not a、uh, how I say it's not really a norm because、uh, if you say like traveling to, I mean moving to Australia or moving to the UK, it's it's more、uh, normal. <laughs> But coming towards Oslo, it's a bit different. For I mean, when we tell our like our family or friends that we're moving to Norway, and they'll be like, "What? Where are you moving to? Isn't that really really far?" And we're like, "Yeah." <laughs> the first thing that comes in their mind is about the cold. The climate is definitely different from home. My husband, before he moved here, he have to read up a lot about Norway, the kind of living and everything. We went to YouTube and check it out and everything. So it was not a shock. It's just very different. Moving over here, we actually have like a relocation team, like to help us out with the house hunting and everything. Definitely, it was a bit tough at the beginning. The lives of singles and the lives of couples or parents with children are different. Whether you were born in Norway or you are a foreigner, certainly the challenges are great in all cases. When you move to another country and have small children, you are afraid and you hope that your children will quickly and painlessly adapt to the new environment. And children, for the most part, do it even easier than we expect them to, but not without certain problems. It is important to find the balance and understand the challenges ahead. The education system is one of them. I have two girls, so one is nine and one is ten. My daughter do not speak the language, or we do not speak the language at all. We registered them into a public school. My elder daughter, she took around like four months to actually understand the language. But what was great, she had like an individual teacher, like just to teach her、uh, on the language, specifically on Norse. At the beginning, she had this thing that she didn't like want to、um, move to the school because everyone is speaking in Norwegian, so it's a little bit tough on her. But 
now she's she's speaking really well in Norwegian with the slang as well and Oslo slang. So I had to ask her to teach me because I'm not so good with the language as well. But for my younger daughter, at the beginning, she had a lot of um, moved as well. So she moved from like Banahage to the Skola. So a lot of transition for her. So it, it was a little bit tougher for her. For my daughter at the first grade, yes, you learning like alphabets and letters and everything. She definitely find like in some way she knows certain things a little bit faster. My other daughter who's in the Banahage, she came home one day telling me this. Mama, I don't have any homework at the Banahage, so I don't think I'm smart anymore. So she find it a bit of a culture shock because in Malaysia, when she was um, in the kindergarten, she was studying and writing and doing homework and everything. It's very different. And she was not prepared for not doing homework and everything. I do, I, I, in a way, I do like the concept here where they allow kids to be out more often. And I, I do think it's a very good way of uh, making them much more healthy in a way, you know, uh, being out there rather than just being in the classroom, sitting and studying that way, like being just a bookworm. I do not encourage them to be like that either. I like them to explore as well. They are more creative doing their exercise here as well. It's different, so it's not so academic, but it's more creative in a way. So I like it that they are thinking out of the box as well. In Malaysia, they have a plan where kids have to start off uh, learning certain things at a certain age and everything. It is good to push them to excel in an academic way as well. I do like that and I do miss that as well. And the discipline that they usually have, like in school, the, the respect for the teacher is really, really very strong. At the same time, I do like my kids having the system here where they are more happy and more outgoing and more creative and being more sporty out there as well. I like to have both sides of it, you know, like to balance it out. They should be like academic and they should be creative and they should go out and balance it, it all. What I usually do for them is I always pack for them food and to ensure that they're getting a healthy, wholesome meal every single time they're in school. The first few times when I, um, my younger daughter, she started Banerhage, I had to like uh, make some mud pocket for her. So in Malaysia, mud pocket have to be really wholesome in a way that you have to have set of uh, bread and some warm food as well. So the first few times when I'm always packing warm food, which is like, for example, it consists of rice or noodle or pasta or anything. It was a bit of a shock if the kids see them having too much of food. So she came back with lots of uh, extras as well. Then I started just giving them sourdough bread with lots of seeds. So at least they get the proper nutrients from there as well. Yeah. They are not out of touch with how the way lives are back home as well in Malaysia. We have a very good friend which we actually like met at the park, Frogner Parken, and we became like family friends. And they have like a daughter which is the same, almost the same age with my girls. They are like half Canadian, half Norwegian, so they came back to Norway. And in a way, they do play the same game and they play with their cousins from Malaysia, so they connect with each other all the time. For me, Norway is not the first country to move to. 
she had already gained some experience and knew in advance what challenges lay ahead. The experience of living in any foreign country is valuable and will partly make it easier for you to adapt to each new society. But Norway has its own specifics that have similarities with other Scandinavian countries, but not with Malaysia. Well, this is not the first country that we are trying to integrate. Definitely, it's not easiest country to integrate as well. I moved from Myanmar, where I was with 30 different nationalities, staying in the same residence. And we have like uh, friends all over the country. And that's how I integrate with people as well. So when I came here, I came with an open mind that I have to integrate and meet people. When we came, we had like some friends here already to begin with. So it wasn't tough. We are able to meet parents from the school as well. Definitely, if you come as a family, it's easier because you have kids to send to school and you get to meet the parents as well. So in terms of integrating, that part is definitely easier. I just do meet random people from the park and we became family friends. And setting up my Fraugner kitchen, which is my home baking business, helps me to meet customers from all over around my neighborhood. I feel that integrating is not too difficult for me because I have a platform where I can actually use to integrate with other people as well. We do have close Norwegian friends, neighbors as well. So uh, definitely at the beginning, uh, you have to understand their perspective as well. So my concept is always going around, passing some food and talking to them. And next, maybe the alcohol and they will open up to you. You just have to understand them first. You have to understand and accept people's culture first in order for people to understand your culture as well. Even if they are not too open to you yet, but it just takes time for them to be open to you. That's how it is. Once you're open, they're just open with you and they can become very good friends as well. Malaysians, in a way, we are very open to know people. They have very friendly kind of uh, gesture when the first time you even meet. I mean, it's very in easy to integrate into our life in a way. So long you bring some food, it works well. <laughs> we have already mentioned the differences in food and food preparation. But how to get used to a different climate, all that wardrobe and almost a new dressing style? Like they always say, you just have to have the proper clothing, right? It's not the weather that's bad or good, right? I can tell you honestly, at the beginning of the first few years, it was okay. But now I can tell you that in a way, I'm just saying like, oh, sometimes I do feel cold. <laughs> from where I'm from, it's a tropical country. So it's definitely not the easiest for us to totally get used to it. It takes time to get used to it, but... um We'll get there. At the same time, we miss sun and we miss not wearing so many clothings and washing so many clothings. Especially when you have kids, the, the, the load for your laundry is uh, double the amount. At the beginning, I, I was always bringing back uh, my daughter's decor paka dress. I'm always taking it back home and washing it every day. After then, I noticed that no one is doing that except me. So then I, I stopped doing it and just leave it in the banahage like just for a week and then after I bring it back. In a way, I have to change a lot of my way of doing things back home and here as well. How one conversation with a friend spontaneously leads to the idea of turning your hobby into a business. 
I am actually a bachelor of degree from hospitality. So I actually studied in Switzerland, but I am not specialized in cuisine in a way. But I went through studying it as well. Food is just more like a, I was brought up with it and it's a hobby in a way. When I came to Oslo with my husband, my first plan was to manage my daughter and manage their needs as well. But after then, we were here like for a few years. Then I was thinking I do need to do some things for myself as well. So went for network for work, applied for some jobs. Since my friend uh, was asking me, why don't you sell your bakes to, to other people as well? So I thought, why not I start? So I started off through Instagram. Then that's how I started. But it was not planned at all. It was just a random thing that I just put into place and that's how I started off with that. Do you know what you need to know and do to start your own business? Starting your own small bakery is no easy task. You must take care of the administration, production, delivery and marketing of your product. Listen to how May runs her business. So to run a business, like for mine, I have an anchor personal talk and then you have to be registered under Mark Tusinet. You have to do everything on your own where you have to do your accountings and you have to register for tax, everything on your own. So that is not very easy, but I just posted my pictures through Instagram. People started asking me like, how do I buy them and where can I get them? What I did was uh, started putting them into a menu in a form. Currently, I have 14 different braids, variety of braids in my Instagram account and uh, one brownie. My concept is basically about sourdough. If you say it's the easiest thing to do, it is not. You have to definitely find your own clientele as well and your customers as well. So in order to run it, you have to keep on posting in through FB ads, through other channels as well. So I'm also posted in other channels as well, like Wode or Hema.no. I run by myself everything. So I feel that it's always good to have your own uh, touch to your own bread as well. And I, and I create the bread my own and uh, always add different flavors for it as well. Since I'm a Malaysian, our way of making and everything is always to integrate or to explore new recipes and add in different items into the bread as well. So therefore, I'm not making like the basic bread that you usually found out there. I'm always trying to make something different. And I also take customized orders from my customers as well. So I do have customers asking, I want to have a specific bread with more protein or higher fiber or anything like that. I will just uh, make it according to their needs as well. They can order my product from my Instagram account, which is frognerkitchen.no or they can actually just go to heima.no as well. Uh, Heima is actually a micro bakery uh, platform for all micro bakers to like come together and they sell their products in different parts of uh, Norway. I'm one of them and um, you can actually order from there as well. And I'm also listed in Wolt, so if you want delivery, you can just order from Wolt as well. I work from Tuesday to Saturday. 
you need to order two days in advance because the first day I'll make the starter and I will do the kneading and the proofing and all. And then the second day is the second day to bake the, the bread. So I only make fresh bread for delivery. So it's baked on the day itself that you order. Usually what people do if you're a first time customer, you will definitely just order the normal spelt bread. So it's made of spelt flour. And in there, they have I have uh, sunflower seeds with um, pumpkin seeds. So that, that is very versatile for you to add with any kind of topping. So the other very popular ones are like garlic bread with olives and rosemary. So that it's very easy for you to have them with soup, something savory. I like that because it's easy for you to have it like a main meal. And the other one that which I created is more like tropical kind of taste. And I call it um, coconut flakes uh, bread. We call it cocoa master. In there, it's a uh, coconut flakes with uh, flax seeds. The topping would be oats as well. So it's healthy, tropical and wholesome. Yeah, so these are a few of my bestseller. But however, for people who likes um, bread which are healthier, so they will definitely go for the uh, lower gluten bread which is uh, buckwheat. And it comes with uh, ham seeds and, and some walnuts and um, flax seeds. All the good seeds, everything is in there. When I started off, I was just using a normal home oven. So per time, I am able to make two loaves per time, more than five hours just to do the baking and everything. Last December, I ordered a micro bakery oven, which is uh, I could bake like six loaves at, at a go. And I ordered the oven from Belgium. So it took some time, like six months for me to get it. It's been great. I mean, now I fasten my process of baking as well. It is time consuming in a way because um, let's say like for example, today I'm baking the bread. By the afternoon hours, I am supposed to start the first kneading for the next day bakes as well. So I work up to late at night at times. So I do bakes in the morning up to the afternoon and then I the next round uh, I do the kneading from the afternoon up to the night. So it's time consuming but I do it according to my own time. In a way I'm I am aiming for quality more than quantity. So if I'm doing more towards quantity definitely I have a lot more to do. My concept is also about no wastage as well. So as you understand, if you have a bakery by the end of the day, there is a lot of leftover and either it be it will be donated to old folks home or kids home or anything like that. But at the end of the day, I do know that is a lot of wastage as well. So my concept is when you order, that's when I bake. And once I bake, you pick up and I do not have any wastage from my side. Almost yesterday, I thought I would stay in Norway forever. Today, I love being here, but I'm no longer sure I'll stay here forever. What plans does May have for the future?
um, myself and my husband, we have an open plan. So definitely, it's depending on his job where it takes him to. So let's just say if he has got a better offer and we need to move, then we move. But for now, it's been great for the kids at school. It's been great for him at work as well. So we're staying for now. I am not too sure about the future though. May thank you for taking us on an interesting journey through Malaysia and Norway via food. I hope that some of our listeners will want to try something uh, exceptional from your bakery. Along with this episode, there will be a link uh, Frogner Kitchen account so that uh, listeners from Oslo can check and order what they want. Thank you. Yeah, it was nice meeting you as well. And hope you have a good day, the sun there. Thank you. My name is Vedran Atanovic. Take care. We are back next Tuesday.